In every coffee shop, library, co-working space, there are ascenders working tirelessly to achieve greatness in their chosen field. Entrepreneurs, authors, musicians, speakers, all soaring towards their definition of success. You haven't seen their names in magazines or history books yet. I'm James Darty, and this is The Ascenders. Molly Ronan is never afraid to jump in with both feet. From deciding in college she wanted to go into the music industry and finding coveted internships around the world, and then deciding to move to a foreign country to adopt a puppy to be her travel companion, she is driven to always find a way. Here's my talk with Molly. It's my usual day like. Yeah. Right now, um, I tend to wake up around 7. Either my alarm wakes me up or Atlas wakes me up. And then take Atlas out for a walk. And then I come back and I'll either check my emails right away, usually, and then maybe get some breakfast. And then through much emailing, scheduling things, making sure the exact schedules are all good for the day, and doing whatever random tasks come up. Usually I work until about four or five, take a break for lunch, take breaks for Atlas, take him out. And then usually cook dinner at some point. And then I go on the mentor sessions, and that's usually the day. <laughs> nice. Atlas sounds like a lot of work. See, that's why I couldn't have dogs, because I just, I, I can't keep up with the walking and, like. Yeah, he's gotten better as he's gotten older, but it's, like, depending on what, like, anywhere between three to, every three to five hours, let's take him out. And off the yard, that was, like, a 20-minute walk. What was that like back when you, you know, when the world was open and alive, and you were, like, going out and stuff? Did you have to come home early from the bars? Um, yeah. But I never went out late anyways. <laughs> so oh, really? I didn't my life. No. I'm not <laughs> a big late night partier anyways. So, yeah. yeah, I would always, either if I, once or twice, when I knew I had something big, like my company's holiday party or something, um, I would have them stay over someone else's house. And then I would just come home Why do you think, why are you not a big partier? You're just like, Coming home and doing stuff, or no, I never happen. I get tired, <laughs> and I just <laughs> want to go home and sleep. And then, yeah, I never drink that much either. But yeah, no, okay, my deal. That's cool. I mean, do you have friends that like? Uh, what? I mean, you're in Boston, so like, that's a yeah, party guess, capital. Yeah, I don't have really that many friends who go out either so it's just I mean, how someone to go out with Maeve was the one who go out but I never actually went out with her went you've never gone out with Maeve no <laughs> well not like out partying clubbing we've gone out for like drinks and like we ended up actually at a silent disco and that was fun is that where you were the headphones and then you kind yeah. of right, okay like, nice and you take your headphones off and you're like what the heck am I doing so <laughs> I know I, I was in an Uber once in New York and I drove by and there was like this guy he was like trying to act all sexy to this girl and he had the headphones on and I was just driving by and it was complete silence and he was like I'm the coolest guy in the world oh it was cringy I've never been to one of those though I don't think they really have them here in Tampa yeah we just stumbled upon it it wasn't our plan 
and then we got there early, like when it just started. It was Maeve and then one of my our friends, and there's like no one there except for like two older men on the dance floor, and like that was it. So we're like, mm, we'll come back a little bit later. So we went, like got really drink and then came back, and there's still some more people. It wasn't packed, but there's decent amount of people, so we stayed. Nice. Talk to me about uh, growing up. So you grew up in Boston, right? No, I grew up in Western Mass. So that's two hours outside of Boston. It's basically like the countryside. Um, grew up in West Hampton, Massachusetts, which is like a small town where my elementary school class had 16 people in it. We don't have our own postcode. We like have to share it with someone in another town because we don't have a post office. There's no stoplights. And we don't have like a gas station in our town. We only have like one small town or shop. What? Were you like in a one-room schoolhouse? <laughs> no, it was, no, like, it was like... elementary school. But we just had, yeah, you had your one classroom for each grade um, for elementary school. Then high school, it's five towns combined that, because they're not big enough to have their own high school. And we were like one of the smaller ones. But it was good. Um... Yeah. Talk about your, did you have a support system? It was my two younger sisters, obviously, and my mom and dad were always very supportive growing up. So I had that. They didn't get divorced until my first year of college. And I didn't really know of any problems that were going on while they were happening. So for me, it was a pretty normal childhood all in all. So was that like a, a kind of blindsided you when that happened? For me, yeah. When I look back on it, obviously, I can see all the things like, oh, yeah, they weren't actually that loving towards each other, like some couples might be. For me, that's just normal. Mm, yeah. And then, yeah, so I was kind of blindsided. And what, I wasn't there, like, for the months leading up to it because I was in college. I was living in college. So I didn't see it as much as, like, my teenager sister saw it. Oh, okay. So they saw the most of it. <laughs> gotcha. So growing up in your teenage years young molly discovering the world what did you want to do who did you want to be in high school i don't really know what i wanted to be i was like a good student but i was good in like all my subjects um i liked probably writing in spanish like my english class my spanish class the most probably my favorite ones but i was good at the other ones i kind of avoided science I didn't really take science classes um but when the reason why i kind of gravitated towards business was because I got kind of a look into the music industry when I was like 16. This is a fun story. Um, I was, we watched America's Got Talent and there is this artist singer called Taylor Matthews on it and my family loved him and he was our favorite. He made it to the top 10. We of course were voting for him all along the way and then they do like America's Got Talent tour where they like come around to like different cities so they came to ours, so we went to go see him. I think it was at like Foxwood or some casino, um, or Mohegan Sun. And apparently, without me knowing, my mom had emailed him ahead of time and was like, hey, it's Molly's birthday. It'd be great if you could come out and say oh. hi or something. So we were hanging around after the show. We got to meet him, and he's like, oh, you're Molly. It's your birthday. I was like, yes, how do you know me? <laughs> it was kind of weird, and it wasn't actually my birthday. It was like a birthday like a few months earlier. My mom just that's the classic had, mom move. Classic mom move. We met him then, and like that was fun and cool. And then he had a Kickstarter for his album, and one of the prizes were he paid enough money 
to have a day in Disneyland with him. Ooh. So my mom and dad being supportive parents, they were bought us the day in Disneyland with Taylor Matthews. <laughs> and this is when we're living in like in Massachusetts and like, California. So that was actually right when I graduated high school. So that was like my graduation gift was to go and fly over to California, meet some Matthews Hotel day in Disneyland with him. That's a great, that's an awesome gift. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, so it was maybe more of my sister's came as well. That's just the beginning of the story. <laughs> I'm trying to speed this up. Okay. No, no, tell me, tell me, tell me more. I want to hear about you and him on Space Mountain six and sitting next to each other. Oh, no, that's like, that was fun. Like, it was a little awkward at first. Obviously, we don't know him. We all warmed mm. up. And it was him and like, his, one of his friends, I guess, like manager. So that was fun just one day went along did it and then he was touring and he was going to come to boston so we like reach out and we're like oh hey yeah great we'll see you in boston and i think he like he was op he was opening for r5 and which was like a teeny bop band which is like i don't know what teeny bop band is but for like yeah. preteens and so we went to go see him open there i think i tried to, we, we've seen it a few times i'm trying to remember the first time I think he got us in early and we were able to get like front row um, because he got us in early. I think I actually went for the green room and we met two of the R5 members and they're kind of like, who the heck are these people? <laughs> so we didn't get to do that again. That was the only time. We went to the front row. But then at some point, towards the end of the show, we're obviously hanging out, waiting. My mom tells us that Taylor is going to come stay over at our house that night. <laughs> and we live two hours away. Oh my so god. You can drive home. But I find this all out later, but apparently his manager at the time, like his tour manager, was supposed to ask us ahead of time if he could come. But she never did. So she literally asked that night. My mom's like, Yeah, sure, he can come stay. Like they're just looking for a place for him to stay for the night. So he came and stayed with us. Mom had no prep. She was calling my aunt was actually staying with us that night and he like, Can you clean the house? And he came and stayed over that night. And then, um, since then, whenever he's in Boston, we've um, welcomed him to stay at our house. And then it's been him and various other people who have been touring with him have stayed. So we've met some of our friends. Brian Dillmore came over and stayed, Zach Michaels. So there's like three guys in their 20s, musicians, came and stayed over. <laughs> and this great old time. And like, Wait, how old are you? How old are you guys when he, when he stayed over? So I was in college. So I would have been like 18, um, 19, and maybe is about two, three years younger than me. And then Mo is the youngest one is five years younger than me. She would have been like 13. Um, and this all sort of happened right after the divorce while we were in college. And we were kind of, were kind of fangirls, like groupies. We would go to all the shows he went to near Boston. So we'd go up to upstate New York. We'd go to New York City. We'd go sort of anywhere <laughs> that we were. Um, so that was like really great and they became like our friends and one day I wasn't there I think I was actually studying around China they stayed even for like Thanksgiving like a whole group of them stayed at our mom's house for Thanksgiving but anyways talking to them and hearing about their struggles being like independent musicians and everything that kind of was like oh that's business basically what they're doing and that and even though I was going to school for business I didn't really know what exactly or how to apply that so that got me thinking like, 
everything's kind of a business. All these creative people um, to make their dreams come true that have to be successful. I have to have some business know-how and I wanted to help them. So I ended up doing some internships in the music industry. Um, because of that, I interned at Spotify, interned at Rounder Records in Nashville, um, did like a music internship thing in Dublin. And that kind of kickstarted my business career was just by some guy we liked on our that's got talent. Love that. Man, yeah. your mom was like the original, was like OG cold emailer, just getting, yep. him, getting in the door. <laughs> yep, that was all because of a cold email. Oh, that's amazing. Do you see so every time he comes to town, he comes and hangs out with you guys? Okay. We'll see him. We, um, when I went down to Nashville, my mom and I road trip down and we like stopped twice to go see him while he was on tour, like once in Ireland and like random places. So nice. Talk to me about, um, so you, you wanted this, this music industry th- business combination. So what were you studying in college? You're studying business administration? Yeah, so I went to Babson College, which is like the top school of entrepreneurship. Um, I had also seen my dad and mom start a business together um, back in, I don't know, when I was a teenager. So um, I kind of had saw that and saw that it was possible. And my dad still has it today and now it's super successful. And... Yeah, so I just started studying business administration in general. Like the first few years, two years is kind of standard classes. And I never really actually niched down into like marketing or finance. I kind of kept it broad and just sort of took random classes. Nice. Found your own path. So what did you um what did you learn at these these music internships? Like was that where you wanted to go? Like did you want to work at a big label or so I thought I wanted to be a music like artist manager. Um, basically working on one of the artists, help them come to their business plan. And I learned a lot about sort of how the music industry is set up, especially at the Rounders Records, that's music label. Mm. Um, ultimately, I didn't end up in the music industry, or not yet. <laughs> I yeah. might still consider it, but sort of the things that had turned me off was, one, you have to be up late. All the time and I'm not a late night person so that'd be a big adjustment for me um, in general um, Two, it's all kind of like um, the thing I didn't like about Nashville is you never knew if people were being nice to you because they actually liked you and wanted to be your friend or because they're trying to sell your their music and just oh, yeah. and it was also hard I was 20 when I was in Nashville so I couldn't go out drinking and to the bar scene so I missed that sort of social aspect so it's hard for me to make genuine friends. Like everyone obviously is nice, but then it's like, they don't actually like, stay in touch afterwards. Mm-hmm. So that was a bit tough. And I just kind of feel like, um, I don't know, the music industry is just interesting. It's all going through different like changes and like Spotify became big and I feel like the record labels have some sort of weird control and it was just kind of a strange industry to break into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up, I like was, when I graduated college, I was interning at a, um, like an indie music festival, essentially. But then I got offered a job from someone who worked at that. It was, he was an artist manager, but he also owned a carpet cleaning business. It's like his family business. Okay. So I helped him with both. 
but ended up being more marketing for the carpet cleaning business. And honestly, the artist management side, it wasn't, there wasn't that much there. It was like, yes, he was managing this artist, but this artist kind of did everything himself. And I'm not really sure what their business model even was. So um, from there, I got sick, but I wanted another job. So I was kind of looking for any job and ended up in um, an AR and VR game development startup, which I really liked. I stayed there for about two years. And then, oh, nice. Wait. So, so you went yeah. from carpet cleaning, yeah. very lucrative business, to AR VR in Boston or where? Oh, in Dublin still. So still in Dublin. Oh, okay. So wait. So when, at what point did you move to Dublin? Let's back up. Let's back crack. Right after I graduated college, I moved to Dublin. So what was the reason? Um, that I didn't have a job lined up and I got this internship. Um, that I was kind of doing it remotely while I was still in Boston. And then I decided to go to Bo Dublin and like continue it and actually see the music festival out. And I had nothing else to do. I have family in Dublin and I got my Irish passport. And I figured if I don't do it now, I never will. So I think that was part of it. And part of it was probably I just wanted to get away from after living at college for four years. And mm -hmm. I didn't have a clear path where like I saw my colleagues who either one had started their own business while they were in school because they're all they're entrepreneurship school. So they were all, they were kind of almost intimidating. Like, wow, look at all they did. Or two, they yeah. already had a corporate job lined up like for months. And I was kind of like, I wasn't there. So I was like, I'm just going to go to Ireland. <laughs> so that's what I did. And ended up staying there three years. What was that? Did you have some fear going in? I mean, you hadn't lived out of the U.S. originally or did you, was it just natural? I actually didn't have too much fear that I can think of. It was actually the most um, like hard part was I was going to live with my grandmother, but she was sick like for the months mm. leading up. She actually passed away a few months before I moved there. So that was kind of tough, but I ended up living with my aunt and uncle and cousins for a while, and that was fun. But I think because I had no expectations moving, going into it, um, it was okay. I actually had another internship I was going to do, but it was unpaid. It was like social media for different companies. Mm. And I went there one day and I just kind of felt ignored and like they didn't really, they weren't prepared for me or like, I was just like, what am I yeah. doing here? And it was a long commute. So I quit that <laughs> one day and I was like, I'll just do this other music festival kind of like remote internship. And I'm like, I'll just enjoy my summer. And I was only going to stay there for the summer and then come back. The US. So while you were doing all this, so you went, you went music, carpet cleaning, AR, VR, was there an idea in your head like, okay, this is all going to lead to this one path or were you just trying to, to jump from internship to internship to find that path? There was no one path. There was no <laughs> goal. It was a, let me see what I can get so I can actually, what can I learn? And also eventually it became, how can I make money? Yeah. And survive to stay in Dublin longer or have some sort of career. So you built your life in Dublin and you had a job, you had a relationship, you had an apartment, you had friends, but then you decided to leave all of that to go to Greece, right? Yes, because huh? I can't get too comfortable anywhere. So I was about to talk about that. So, I mean, that's the first step. I know so many people, uh, I think the I think the the thing is like 75% of Americans don't have a passport or something or some crazy number. Maybe not, it's not that high, but you're one of the ones who broke free, got a passport, got an Irish passport also, 
moved out, built a life in a different place, and then now you got to move on. So what brought that about? So part of it was when I broke up with my boyfriend. The plan was he was in college. The plan was I was going to, we were going to stay obviously in Dublin until he finished his degree. And then we decide together where we wanted to move to where we wanted to go, whether it's back to the U.S., somewhere else in Europe. But we broke up, which was for the best. And I kind of had to reevaluate, like, okay, why am I in Dublin? Um, do I want to stay in Dublin? Like, my whole – I met him very soon after I moved there. So kind of my whole definition of the city was through the lens of being in this relationship. Mm. So I kind of had to – use that kind of evaluating if I actually enjoyed living in Dublin if I want to try somewhere else. So the second part was looking at my career as well. I really liked the company I was in, but um, there was a startup and there was, I kind of was doing a lot of admin tasks and I wanted to kind of get away from that. And it didn't really seem to be a clear path of growth there, or at least not as fast as I wanted to grow. Mm. So I kind of made the decision I wanted to do something new and different and I wanted to travel and I wanted to adopt a dog. So I researched if I could do both of them and other people had done it. So I was like, okay, I will do that. So I did that. So before that, were you feeling kind of lost or just kind of? Yeah. Yeah. You feel like you were being like a late bloomer? It was like I lost basically my best friend. I felt like I was just going through the motions at work about just sort of doing the same thing over and over again and didn't really know what I was doing in Dublin or why I was there. I didn't know what I wanted to do either. So it wasn't like a clear path like, oh, my dream is I want to be on Broadway, so I'm going to go start doing that path. Like there was no clear next step for me. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to do something different. Um course like while while making a listing I made more friends and like I had a good like small network there but it was still time for me to do something else even though I didn't know what that something else should be which is probably why I decided to go travel because I was like I seem to get out and do something okay so we're moving to another country is there fear now or still no fear still yeah I mean it's hard (laughs) to think back on it like that wasn't like a defining thing like of course, I think I was nervous, but I was determined. Maybe, like once I make a decision, maybe I just kind of like get over the fear. I'm not sure because it was. I also plan a lot, so I knew what I was going to be doing once I got there. I was like, okay, I have this all figured out sort of ahead of time. Of course, it doesn't go according to plan. What was the okay? So what was the initial plan? <laughs> oh, I just I like. You know, I have the Airbnb picked out where I'm going to stay. They say I can bring a dog. I know the exact dog I'm going to adopt. Um, I'm planning on staying there for two months. I was going to get sponsorships. I already started to build up the Instagram before it even went. It's like, so I was kind of already building this and had a plan beforehand. And I mean, the beginning part went according to plan. (laughs) But then, of course, I was like, I already had planned out my route of what countries I was going to go to, I knew what I need to have for the dog to be actually able to get through all those countries and get where I wanted to go. Yeah, uh, so I, knew, and I knew it was doable because other people had done it. So what was it about a dog in another country? 
honestly, I think it was kind of comfort. And okay. for me, it was less scary doing it with a dog than doing it with myself. Even though I was adding like a ton more work, because obviously it's harder to travel with a dog than travel by yourself. What, may, what makes you think that you decided on a dog rather than like a travel companion or like meeting, taking a friend with you? because the dog's so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> dogs are more fun. Dogs are way more fun. <laughs> like, I don't know anyone. I was planning to be there for at least a year. I don't know. I, I didn't have any friends at the time who were ready to go travel for a year. Mm. And definitely not any friends that I felt close enough that I wouldn't get sick of them after a month. Gotcha. And I'm not like a very social, um, and I'm an extrovert. So for me, like it was like making friends along the road didn't seem like a very easy option for me it was like so for me it was also like kind of safety having a dog with me it's like I always had someone there but even though it was just a dog no it's it's kind of beautiful so like the plan was to have a dog because the plan was to have the dog as your friend rather than like the unknown of meeting someone along the way yeah no that's really cool I, I know that's actually really beautiful so you get to Greece um see okay so the fear i imagine has to be the language barrier right i i lived in china for four months and oh okay that around, was during college right yeah so I was, that was like a little more sheltered in a um, like a program uh so like school classes but i i actually had an internship in china that i found myself in the music industry and i would commute myself there every day and then somehow I met a Chinese family who um, wanted someone to teach their two-year-olds English, which basically just means playing with her and speaking with her. So I would take, navigate the bus system myself in there and gave me the confidence that uh, if I don't speak it, we'll, we'll understand each other. It's actually almost easier when they don't speak the same language as you because obviously you're a tourist and there's like pros and cons, you know? Yeah. So it's like, like, oh yeah, I'm so sorry to speak Greek. Then sometimes they're more likely to try to help you to figure stuff out. Then um, if you, like if I'm a native here in Boston and I'm walking around, I'm less likely to try to ask people for help because I look stupid or like I shouldn't know what I'm doing or to go someplace by yourself. Like I wouldn't want to go sit at a restaurant by myself here in Boston. I'll go sit at a restaurant by myself in Greece, no problem. I had that same exact thing when I lived, I lived in China as well. I had that same exact thing where I was totally fine sitting by myself at a restaurant or, and the people in China, people in China are really nice in that they feel like it's their fault. Like they feel like they should help you by speaking English and helping. And so they're like, do everything they can to accommodate. And it's so nice. Did you see a lot? Did you feel a lot of that while you were there? Yeah. I feel like everyone was really nice. I didn't feel unsafe at all maybe I was lucky but also like I had a Chinese roommate who was great so like they paired us up with other students who are learning how to become teachers so mm. she spoke English and Chinese so she was super helpful all the time that's great that's perfect out. what do you so what do you do at a English what do you do at a uh, internship at a music company in China are you working on like c-pop or are you trying so, to expand American music over there um they actually were like a booking agent. So they would bring artists to tour in China and other Asian countries. So I would help with like proofreading or writing up press releases, make sure their social media. 
And then actually once or twice, I got a help and we actually had an artist come. For some reason, they sent me and another intern, international intern. The, you know what like a rider is? It's basically mm. a list of all the things the artist wants in their green room. So they gave us the two foreigners the rider and said, go buy all this stuff. <laughs> we're like, we don't know where to go. So we're just like trying to go around all these shops. And of course, they're like American, European things are asking for. These aren't Asian bands <laughs> coming. So it's like Pringles or something like that. I'm like, I can't get Pringles here, but I'll try to find some equivalent chip. And I can't actually read what's on the bag. <laughs> so I had to go and like get all of their stuff and help them set up. I actually met the band. It's funny, I did not know who the band was at the time. It was Wild Beasts. Now I know who Wild Beasts are, and my ex, he loves Wild Beasts, and we listen to them all the time. And I'm like, oh, I actually got to meet them in China. But of course, I did not appreciate it then, except I didn't know who they were. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. The same thing happened to me. I went to Warp Tour with my friend, and he's like, yeah, come meet this band. I'm friends with the lead singer. And I met them, and I was like, okay, that's great. And then two years later, I, like, picked up the record, and I just became obsessed with them. And I was like, oh my God, I met them two years ago and I did not appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. I don't Although, think I've heard of... Oh, go ahead. Maybe they may not be a fangirl when I meet them. I'm not yeah, that's like, true. Cool, I'm collected, you know? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know who you are. What's up? Nice to meet you. <laughs> so you moved? about the riders, so I guess it was fine. Were there any crazy, were there any crazy riders? Because I've heard, I've heard stories about crazy well, riders. I wanted, to, I wanted to do that, like, I remember that once, and then I think the other one was, like, very easy. So now there's one. Oh, okay. Because there was the, there's the whole story, I forget what the band is, but the story is, is that they want a giant thing of M&Ms, but all of the green ones had to be taken out, yeah. or the brown <laughs> ones, so that way people would know that they read the rider. I don't know if that was Foo Fighters or what. So you moved to, so you're in Greece. You got little dog Atlas. So how did you get the dog? Was there a process of adoption? Kind of. So my stepmom had actually sent me a video of this shelter in Greece I saw on Facebook. And so I started following him. And I was like, oh, it'd be cool to adopt a dog from him. Just this one guy who started a shelter in Greece. And now he has over like 300, 400 dogs because they don't have the same, I don't know, like it's just different. There's so many strayed dogs there. People don't treat their dogs as well in general. And there's not as many like shelters set up to take them in. So he ends up all these dogs because no one else will take them. And he just can't say no. So he just keeps taking more and more dogs. So I was like, it'd be great to adopt from there. That's part of the reason why I picked Reese was just because of the shelter. And okay. I followed him for a while, and then I saw he videoed when he's found four puppies on the side of the road, abandoned in like this little milk crate. And I saw this little mm-hmm. fluffy puppy, and I was like, that's the one I want. So I messaged him and was like, hey, I'd love to adopt that puppy when he's ready. And I went back and forth for a bit, and he was trying to make sure I was legit, that I wasn't just kind of like, so it's kind of weird, and he wanted to travel with a puppy. But I was like, no, I'm going to stay in Greece for a while. And Luckily, he trusted me enough that he was like, yeah, you can come and pick him up, come get him. I was like, okay. And um, there, I didn't have, I, when I showed up at the shelter, I had to drive about three hours from where I was. It was raining that day, so I didn't really get to see too much of the shelter. I was just like in the little house. And he had a volunteer who was there. So I just hung out with a volunteer for a while. I saw my puppy right away. And I was like, yeah, that's him. So I just hung out with the puppies. I let mine play. I was like, go play. 
get all tired out. So he has a long car to bring me back. So I met him and basically they just gave me the puppy. <laughs> I had like a, a carrier already and I didn't have to pay or do anything. They just gave me the dog. <laughs> And then I got in the car, put him in the carrier, and drove away. Aww. He gave me like That's some so of the food, that, so he had like the same food, and told me like what shots he had already gotten and stuff like that. And then I had to drive home. I ended up taking I think at least three and a half, if not longer, because it was like pouring rain at this point. And I had this like I didn't have data on my phone yet. So I'm relying on like a GPS I had bought online, just like in the car. That was not very good. So I like worked half the time. And then we get to almost home and the whole highway is flooded. So I have to, can't go to my get off my exit. So I have to get off early. But my GPS just keeps telling me to get back on the highway because it's not that's the way to go home. And I'm like, I can't go on the highway. So I had to somehow navigate myself, pouring rain to get at least somewhere that the GPS would reroute me or that I knew where I was. I had to like, I turned around a whole bunch of times going weird ways. I kind of knew the area, but I was so just trying to get somewhere that I knew. And that uh, took me a while. But we made a home. We're fine. Oh, man. Getting lost in a foreign country is not, it's, it can be fun. I'm, in hindsight, it's fun. Yeah, I got lost. Wasn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good story though. Yeah, no, definitely a good story. Okay, so you're embarking on your year in Greece. The plan was to have an Instagram and a blog about the dog atlas. So, so what happened? So I kept the blog and the Instagram going, but I kind of got discouraged that I didn't have enough followers to actually get sponsorships from them. Mm. I like sent out a few cold emails, but honestly I didn't send out enough before I kind of switched to then I was following like a bunch of coaches on social media and I don't know if you see like everyone once you get in this world everyone thinks they can be like a business coach and basically they're coaching other coaches which is just kind of like this ne- I know never exactly ends. what you mean I know they just like they, there's one person they make like 20 business coaches and then that those people coach each other to coach more people it's exactly like I mean, if you end up getting to someone who doesn't coach coaches, then that ends the pyramid. But it yeah. kind of sounds like a pyramid team. So anyways, I was like, well, I can do some freelance project management. Like, so I tried to start building up a business and a brand around that. I got like a little website. I was posting on all these social media groups. Um, I ended up getting two gigs. One was with my former employer, which is more just she needed help with stuff. So I helped her. And the other one was someone I knew from college, saw me post on LinkedIn, and I helped him with some website stuff, which was great, but that was not enough to fund the whole trip. Hmm. And actually, I had, I almost got um, something that would be a few thousand dollars, but ended up falling through. If I had gotten that, I probably would have kept going, because that would have um, given me enough money, but I didn't get that, and I was getting to the point where my savings soon wouldn't be able to cover my minimum credit card payment each month. Mm. And that was when I had a, had a realization, okay, something's got to change. I don't want to be missing credit card payments. I don't want to screw my credit up because of this. So um, what happened was I spent two months in Anya, Greece and Crete. And then I did two months. I was going to leave um, Greece after two months. 
but I got offered through Workaway to move to another city, Heraklion, and live with a family. And basically it was free accommodation, free meals in exchange for helping clean the house and hanging out with the kids a few hours each day. So I was like, yes, I should do that so I can save on housing and some food. So I went and did that, which was great. It was an Italian Greek family. The mom was from Italy, dad from Greece. So the kids spoke both Greek and Italian. They did wow. not speak English. The kids did not speak English. Both the parents did. Um, they just had not taught them that language yet. So that was fun babysitting kids that do not speak the same language as you. <laughs> Although they understood no pretty well and we could still play together. Oh, that's all you need. <laughs> and they loved Atlas. Atlas was obviously with me through that and they loved playing with him. And I would always say to Atlas and the kids, come on. Or like, let's go. So they started copying me and you hear the little kids be like, come on, come on. <laughs> like you. That's cute. So you stayed there and you were trying to build up your Instagram. It just wasn't yeah. clicking? I was doing, so I was focusing more on the freelance at that point still. Mm. So it was kind of like, honestly didn't give either of them like the true attention and thought they needed to, in the time they needed to build into a real business. I think mm -hmm. either of them could have worked, but I did not plan long enough time to give them to grow so they would actually make me money. And I wasn't focused solely on either one. Um, so I was, I was still trying to do blog posts and still trying to post on Instagram every day for the Nomad Pup. Then I also had Atlas Inspires, which is like my freelance company that I was trying to find gigs via that. Like I was doing, I was doing calls like um, free market research calls and I was trying to figure out what my offer was, but I didn't have enough time and I was running out of money. So I made the decision that I should get a job. I kind of wanted to get a job in Spain at first, but then that seemed to prove really hard of me being remote, trying to get a job um, while not speaking Spanish. And I didn't really have much hospitality background and it didn't really appeal to me to be leaving Atlas like in an Airbnb, like you still a puppy while I went and worked at like a hostel or waitressing. I didn't really know how happy it'd be. So I decided to apply to jobs in Boston um, so I did that. I applied to a good number of jobs while I was still traveling. Um, and I decided to come home and ended up getting a job. I interviewed for a job once I got home, but and then I, in Boston. So I've been in Boston for the past year at that job. How do you feel being back in Boston? It's good. It's kind of weird. It's kind of like I forget that all of that even happened that I lived in. Dublin and Greece and did all this stuff because yeah. it's so normal. Like it's just very easy to get back to a nine to five job and being somewhere that's familiar. Um, it was a kind of rough transition because it was so like, okay, this is it. Just going to work nine to five, coming yeah, back home. Back to the you know? old life. Yeah, exactly. So it was a kind of a hard transition. And because it, I didn't have I had my sister, but like I didn't have that many friends still in the area. Mm. So it was kind of like starting over again in a city I kind of knew, but kind of didn't know. So. so you were getting reacquainted with the city. So what, talk to about, um, so what's the difference between Mali pre-Dublin, Boston Mali pre-Dublin and Boston Mali post 
uh, <laughs> dubbing Greece, all that adventure. Yeah. Is there a big difference? Yeah, I think I'm a lot more confident and secure in myself since I went and did all of that. It's like, if I will ever forget how yeah. awesome I am, you're like, well, look what all that you did. Even though it kind of feels like a failure because I didn't do everything I wanted, I still did a lot. No, I know. I know exactly what you mean. I feel that same way. Um, when I came back from China, I was like, oh, I didn't do everything I wanted. But then if you zoom out, just like the things you accomplished are absolutely crazy. And I'm sh- and, I mean, it doesn't matter what other people think, but if you see like other people looking at you, they probably see you as like, wow, look at all the things she did. That's incredible. Like I could never do that. I, I heard that a lot when I came back from China. Oh, I can never do that. But I guess you set your own, as you're there and you see yourself every day, you set yourself a new standard, you get used to it. Yeah. Yeah, so I learned a lot and I would do it differently if I went back. But I don't like, I'm glad I went and did all of that. I learned. Good. But, yeah, but so. I also feel like now if I ever have sort of an idea or something I want to do, I know I can do it and make it happen. Like I made traveling with a dog happen yeah <laughs> months like i moved to ireland and i figured out that whole process of all the work i needed and figured that everything out and got jobs there so yeah so what's next what's the ultimate goal i know you were talking about financial freedom yeah eventually twofold one i would love to be financially free which to me means if i didn't want to work i didn't I wouldn't have to like every day because I've set myself up with passive income streams, which could be through real estate or other ways where basically my money is working for me. So I'm free to travel and do what I want. The other part is I love to own my own business, which could be part of that financial freedom. It could be owning my own real estate type companies where I just am the landlord and the real estate investor. Um, it could be working with my dad's company, which I'm going to be joining his company just to learn and grow about how he grew a business, which whether I stay there long term or start my own business, I'll learn a ton from. I also do want to go back to Europe if I live there again at some point. Um, I would like to do my path that I had planned because um, I was going planning with Atlas to a bunch of different countries and I've been to, but I want to do that when either I have like a remote job that I know I can do or I know I don't have to work and I have to worry about money because it's like either coming through passive income streams or other ways. Wow. That's yeah. cool. So why, why that? Why not, you know, work till you're 65 and retire? I don't know why I would... <laughs> do that when I know that there's ways and people who have retired early and who have done something unconventional and I can't imagine it like yeah I've been working in this job for a nine to five for a year and it's fine I feel like there's just so much more out there so much more I can do and I want to be able to travel and see the world and do crazy things and I don't want to have to stress about money I don't don't always have to be like oh gotta get up gotta go to the office because if I don't I mean, I'll lose my job and I'll lose my life. I'm still going to be living in that sort of fear mindset or that mm. feeling trapped. I'm all about like independence and freedom and everything you do. I want to have control of my time, my money, my life, basically. I don't want to be tied to a nine to five office job my whole life. 
so that's why we're balancing my own business as well, like my yes. career. If you could, this might be a tough one. If you could start your dream business tomorrow, what would it be in? Do you know? And it was it was going to be successful. Period. I think I would want to help other small businesses and entrepreneurs, and think which. Which, if you said if it would be successful no matter what, that wouldn't be successful right now because I've never owned a business, so I don't I don't have the know-how yet to help other businesses. And I would want to help creatives, like, make their dreams come true. Like, that's kind of what got me drawn into the music industry. Like, there's all these people with all these amazing big dreams, but they just didn't have the business know-how to make them come true. Mm-hmm. So I would love to help artists, musicians, people who just have this dream and they really want to do just like help them make it actually happen. I'm very good at coming up with a plan and then saying, okay, I'm executing that and sort of seeing both the big picture and small details. So I'd want to be able to help as many people become small business owners, become artists, musicians, and make a living off of that. And if I ever became financially free, and that's something I did, I'd want to help other people get to the same boat and realize like in your 20s, it's not actually that hard to get a mortgage. You can owner occupy for only 3.5% down. Like in Ooh, some places that's like super cheap and then your mortgage can be less than your rent, especially if you're in a multifamily unit and you are a landlord and they're paying for your mortgage. People just don't even know it's an option. Or when they go to buy their first house, they kind of get their dream house. Anyways, I'm going on. But yeah, I just want to help other people. <laughs> get to reach their dreams essentially that's so nice if someone so if someone is listening and they're like you pre-dublin molly you know in college trying jumping from thing to thing do you have any piece of advice my advice is just go and try it if you're thinking about doing something but you're worried about how it will pan out just go for it and see what happens for me it obviously did not go as planned but I something to fall back on I pivoted several times and I've learned from everything I've done so um, yeah. what do you think you'd be if it if if the nomad pup took off where do you think you'd be right now nomad pup took off I would be probably in like Norway or Sweden right now talking to you <laughs> while I was traveling <laughs> and um, I would still be in Europe and I would have this huge successful business about traveling with your dog inspiring other people to travel with your dog and um, yeah we would have already gone like my initial route was to go from Greece to Slovenia or Croatia Slovenia and then like work our way all the way around down to Spain and Portugal. And that was wow. going to be there by December. So now it's June. So I probably would have worked my way back up <laughs> and go to the cold countries. I just avoid winter at all costs. Basically, <laughs> plan was. <laughs> so right now I'd be as far north as I could get before it started to come back down. And it's not just, too late. Financial independence, Molly's going to make yeah. it happen. Get there. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This is, I'm excited for future Molly, financial independence, helping people accomplish their dreams. You can find out more about Molly 
at thenomadpup.com and on Instagram at thenomadpup. If you like this, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find us. Now, the greatest gift you gave me today is your time, attention, and open mind. Keep ascending.